the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat. It is Monday, March 20th. Our brackets are busted, except for Tom, who's out here. I think Tom might be the leader right now in the Cover 3 group. And thank you to everybody who signed up for the Cover 3 bracket group. Another great showing from the... What? Again? I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Bud's got to pick wrong yet. I'm not. I, no, I was no, no. on vacation. I, I still haven't watched a college basketball game like, like start to finish th- this year. But I, I'm, I'm rooting for Tom. I'm you only have. Tom, let's go. You only have one fewer Final Four team remaining than Chip does. <laughs> oh, a multitude of uh, of flavors and perspectives here on the Cover Three podcast. That's what you come for. You know, people who are all into the March Madness and not into the March Madness. And one of the reasons that I think that we have been named a finalist in the American football category for the Sports Podcast Awards is because of that multitude of opinions and perspectives that we have here. It is you all that now control our fate, and we want to win in the American football category for the Sports Podcast Awards. So here's the deal. It's up to a vote, and the voting lasts until April 6th. Everybody can only vote once. You're going to need to log in to do it, but we're going to make it easy for you. There is, in the episode description here on YouTube, a link for you to be able to go and vote for the Cover 3 podcast. There is a QR code on the screen. 
somewhere. We've got a QR code for you. We'll also, ah, there you go. The QR code right there by Danny uh, that you can scan to go and vote. We will also have a link in the episode description on the audio platforms as well. Again, voting ends April 6th. We need you to be able to go and help us so that we can be named the winner in the American football category for the Sports Podcast Award. We are up against NFL shows. We are up against fantasy shows. And the Cover 3 podcast that just gives you 12 months of college football love, appreciation, and celebration uh, we have made it to the final round, so go ahead and advance us. Uh, let's bring that trophy home. We, of course, will share that honor with you. Scan the QR code, hit the link in the episode description uh, to vote for the Cover 3 podcast in, in the American football category for the Sports Podcast Awards. All right, business of the day. We are going to be talking some conference championship droughts, but uh, not necessarily a newsy headline, but a nice little table setter as we start to really dive into the opening of spring practice across uh, all of college football. That will be uh, a lot of our you know newsy business of the day type type stuff to dig into. And the two-time champ, reigning champion Georgia Bulldogs opened spring practice last week. Kirby Smart steps right out. And he gives us a lay of the land in the quarterback battle. This is the one of the quarterback battles that will dominate all of uh, the spring and fall camp talking points. Kirby Smart says that Carson Beck, who was the backup to Stetson Bennett last year, Brock Vandegrift, they are sharing first-team snaps. Uh, Gunnar Stockton is going to be in the mix as well. All of these players have at least one redshirt year. Gunnar Stockton redshirted last year. C- Carson Beck got to play a good bit more than Vandegrift did. So... You know, just as as we start to dive into spring practice, I wanted to get everybody's opinion. You know, new offensive coordinator as Mike Bobo is elevated after the departure of Todd Munkin. Danny, where are you at with the Georgia quarterback battles? What are you going to be looking for from the Bulldogs this spring? So my hunch tells me it's Carson Beck's job to lose. Like the guy that's the incumbent backup looks like the heir apparent. It should be his you know, to kind of be that he'll get the first of the split reps, I would guess. But I also think having Bobo in there is an interesting dynamic to this because totally new, you know, not, I mean, he's been there, but coming back for, he's been gone for a while. Like whoever you impress before, whether it was Munkin or the quarterback coach, like that's gone. So this is a great opportunity for Brock Vandegriff and anybody else in this battle to kind of make a first impression on a coach who's coming back. I also think it's going to be interesting, and this is something we'll have to get to in the fall, if the offense struggles, normally you see a quarterback get blamed, but because it's Bobo, because it was a little bit of one of those hires that just kind of was didn't blow Georgia fans away, I also wonder if more of that, if it happens, if the, you know, the heat and criticism will come after Bobo. But I would say it's Carson Beck's job to lose. Yeah, I I tend to agree that it's probably Beck. I, I w- really wouldn't rule out any of these guys. Um, you know, if I'm Georgia, I'm trying to make this, and I'm not saying Georgia is doing this. I'm just saying if, if I was Kirby Smart, what I would do is I, I would really try to keep this as open ended as possible, because you got to figure one of these guys is going to transfer out. Like I, I would put pretty good money that not all three of these guys remain on the roster for the first game. But hey. As a coach, one of your jobs now is to try to keep that depth on your roster and to try to make it seem like this competition is extremely open, which it may be. But I, I tend to agree with Danny that Carson Beck is probably 
the favorite to win that, but I, I wouldn't rule out Stockton or, or Brock necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting battle going into spring because with the new offensive coordinator, you think, you know, Stetson Bennett's gone, new OC. Carson Beck does have the backup experience and has the most, you know, snaps, but it's a clean slate for everybody. So I don't know that there really is an obvious answer. I'm with you guys. I think Carson Beck is probably the favorite. It's just I don't know how big of a favorite he is. And, Bud, you're a million percent right. No matter how tilted this competition is and for how long, we are going to hear about how wide open it is probably until August. Well, I would say, yeah. yeah. So, well, Bud, help me with this one because the, the very dumbed down way that I have picked up on this is that you also have with the two players that are sharing first team reps, a little bit of a difference in strengths, not necessarily like they both appear to be very high floor prospects, high floor players, but that with Vandegrift, maybe you've got a little bit more of the, the mobility, a little bit yes. more of the athleticism than you do with Beck. Like, is there that can can you break down sort of what we'd be looking at in terms of what each player would mean if they do end up taking hold of this Georgia offense? Yeah. So, look, Carson Beck's been a guy we've known about for for a long time. He has a pretty good arm. He, he I think he's a pretty refined passer. Right. He, he played there uh, in in Jacksonville and was a, a guy that a lot of teams had a lot of interest in. He, he committed to Georgia like before they you know started winning national titles it feels like uh Vandergriff is a better athlete i i believe than carson beck and not, not that beck is like crazy slow but he's certainly not somebody who you think of as hey we have to feature his legs whereas Vandergriff, i feel like can run around more and, and is a better athlete yeah the uh kirby was snapped back at somebody who's like he was like oh, hold on i don't i don't know if i'm i'm in my bag yet not in mid-season form <laughs> He, he played baseball, all right? Listen, he's, he's, Car- Carson Beck's an athlete, too, okay? He played baseball. Um, so, yes, Carson Beck did play baseball, and that's what Kirby Smart will remind you in terms of his athleticism. But uh, If play- I could quote John Cruck for one moment, though, I wasn't an athlete. I was a baseball <laughs> player. <laughs> I have a you know tremendous John Cruck story I cannot tell on air. <laughs> you know what else they've got? They've got on their side. They got a month to figure this out. So they could legitimately do like Michigan did this past year and say, you know, Beck, you're going to start the first game. Vandergriff, you're going to start the second game. And then we'll give you guys both a half the third. Like, They've got time to figure this out because really they're, I mean, not a knock against South Carolina, but their first, you know, true road test is, you know, a month into the season at Auburn. That's when you want to feel really comfortable about your guy, who it is. So they've got the luxury of time on their side. Yeah, no national title contender is going to lose to South Carolina. Wait, did a national (laughs) title contender lose to South Carolina? I don't know, Jordan. You want to chime in? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you want to blame it on injury. <laughs> yeah, just a hunch. Even though Wait, I didn't uh, expect it, injury caused by somebody on your own team. <laughs> <laughs> it was right there, Vols. All you had to do was beat South Carolina. College football playoff spot, right there. Yeah, Brock Vandergriff, uh, the number seventeen player in his recruiting class, a five-star prospect. Out of the 2021 cycle, Carson Beck, number 250. Um, but Beck's got the experience. Beck's uh, Beck does seem to be running. Um, does seem to be running with the ones. Well, speaking of South Carolina, I'll I'll, I'll pivot the uh, the target right now. South Carolina is in the midst of one of the longest 
conference title droughts at the Power 5 level. The Gamecocks have not won a conference championship since 1969, and that wasn't even in the SEC. That was when South Carolina was in the ACC. So we're going to open it all up. You haven't been winning rings recently, or even if you have, how long is it going to be before your next one? Taking a look at conference championships, some of the longest droughts, and who's going to be winning them next? Snapping those droughts. Next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, um, one, of the, one of the conversations that we, uh, we've kicked around before, especially here in this offseason time, is to bring up some history, talk a little bit about how it plays into the current landscape. And Bud, I can't, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and take the lead and introduce this because it does introduce uh, a Bub Elliott classic, which was how old were recruits when X happened? I feel like Cam Newton was the OG, like when you started to go and realize that how old some of these college football players were when Cam Newton went on his memorable run in 2010 with Auburn. And now uh, you have assembled uh, information that includes, we talked about South Carolina before the break, the fact that you can't even call a recruit a glimmer in the eye of their parents because a recruit was negative 35 years old when South Carolina won its last <laughs> uh, conference championship. Uh-huh. Now, wh- how, how did all this sort of, sort of come to be as something that uh, you wanted to dig into? Yeah, so every year on social media, we, we, we do a post or some, sometimes a, a short little video of just reminding people, college ball fans, just how old they really are. Uh, and, and it makes them feel very old because I'm like, hey, uh, this kid wasn't born when, insert your favorite football star here, was scoring that touchdown. Like a very popular one now is Vince Young scores, right? Well, uh, how old were current recruits in twenty or 2005? They were... Not born. zero or one. Yeah. 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 So uh, basically, I just have this spreadsheet that shows the uh, recruit, the age of the current recruiting class when the last teams won a national title. And I also have it when these teams last won a conference title, which because everybody plays for conference titles and a lot of teams don't really play for national titles. I, I think this is kind of an interesting podcast uh, discussion. And there, to me, if you break this out and, and Chip did a really good job of this pre show, there's like five sort of distinct eras that seem to, to lead into a lot of different teams here. So we have like pre-world, pre-end of World War II, post-World War II, but before like widespread integration of the sport, which I would define as somewhere between like 70 and 72-ish. But luckily for us, there's a pretty clean break here. 70s and 80s, the 90s, and then the aughts, the, like the, the 2000s. And then we can also discuss, you know, teams from the teens if if, if we think anybody there might not uh, – 
might not get back soon. But I, I think it kind of came out pretty clean, and, and it leads to some interesting discussions maybe of like, why, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why has this happened? Have they just had bad luck? Are, are there systemic issues here that just maybe don't allow them to compete for things? I, I don't know, but I, it could be kind of fun, and maybe we'll pick the, the teams that we feel like are going to uh, gonna break this streak you know, pretty soon or not Tom, at all. Tom, did any come up as a surprise when you were looking at the, uh, the list? Um, <clears throat> yeah, a couple, actually. I was wondering if I could play a quick game with you guys before we yeah. get into the title chat. All right, I'm going to name a list of schools, and I want you all to tell me what they have in common. Northwestern, Purdue, Nebraska, Texas A&M, Tennessee, UCLA, Arkansas, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Kentucky. Uh, that's a lot. It's a long list. It's a long I, list I of think teams. I know. Long list of football schools. Football schools who have not won a conference title as recently as Illinois has. Oh, <laughs> come on. You knew he was going to do it. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there, Texas A&M. Tell me how great you are. Man, Illinois <laughs> won a conference title more recently than you have. The the Ole Miss one is the one that stood out to me because there's a lot of want like Mississippi State, no conference championship since 1941. Mississippi State has won the SEC West more often than Ole Miss has since they split into divisions, but Ole Miss has not won since 1963. Is that like how how does is this tied to integration? Is this tied to like the branding of Ole Miss football? Like I, I don't want to like I, is that too simple? Because there's a lot of want to, there's a lot of resources, and there have been double-digit win seasons. There have been coaches that we consider among the, not top five, but among the top 10 to 15 coaches in college football at any given time that have assumed that job uh, for the Rebels. We're a long way past that split. Has What's what's the ceiling there for Ole Miss? What's kept Ole Miss from being able to uh, to snap that drought? I don't know if that is the cause, but the 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 cutoff, like you mentioned, their last title, and then you know the first African American player signing scholarships. They haven't done anything in the fifty years since for them. So I don't know if it's the cause. It could be just a coincidence, uh, but it, it is a pretty clear cutoff in terms of their their level of success. Uh, when when did uh, when did the SEC expand? That's probably also another cause. Nineteen ninety two. Yeah. And before that, it was well, who joined in '92. It was Arkansas. I mean, they basically went 25 years post their last conference title before before the SEC expanded big in '92, right? Mm-hmm. So and it, it is it, some of this is that. your neighborhood, you know, like you yeah. are you are competing against you know, some of the top programs in the entire country every single year. But when we are looking at these schools that have some of the, the longest droughts that the Ole Miss, how about this? Ole Miss is the team and um, like Minnesota hasn't won since 1967. Indiana hasn't won a conference title since 1967. Ole Miss, 1963, Kentucky, 1950, Kansas is in there at 1968, Missouri at 1969 of those teams. I think that Ole Miss appears in the AP Top 25 more frequently. I think that Ole Miss is picked to be in the top half of its division, you know, or like among the conference title contenders more frequently. So that was that was one that uh, that jumped off to me as well. Three of those were basketball schools where that's the reason, right? Resources, it's hard to overcome that, you know, perception to recruit to it. 
Ole Miss one's baffling. That is a really hard one to explain. Has Ole Miss even how they could not have snuck one in there? Has Ole Miss ever made it to the SEC championship game? By the way, like post ninety two. No. No. It's. I mean, it. it, (laughs) We didn't mean to. To to open this up with just like a ah, just getting it in for why does Ole Miss suck so much? Thoughts (laughs) and like the integration thing. I do think it's it's something I'm sure. You know, I mean, race has clearly come into recruiting over the last fifty years, and people will use it against you. The negative recruiting aspect, like why would you want to go to Oxford? Look at their flag. Like all of that has got to have come into play, but it's not like. I mean, they're in a, a region of the country. It's not just Mississippi right. that's mm-hmm. had issues with the civil rights movement, you know, playing catch up. So, like that one, kind of, I can make sense of it for a little bit, but over the long haul, this much time, I just, it's it's probably one of the more baffling ones that I think you could. It's hard to explain away. I also oh. think it shows you why, and not that any school has done this, but when they've had some of their success, you see what it means to them. I mean, a couple years ago, getting a 10-win season and seeing Lane Kiffin bring that to them. is, And it's also interesting because it was probably one of the schools I was thinking about coming up with potentially breaking the streak. Just because of like positive trajectory under Lane Kiffin. Like that's the the margins, like Q freeze, what was it, the 4th and 22 or 4th and 25 that uh, when Arkansas beats Arkansas. Ole Miss and that ends up allowing – Alabama to make it to the SEC championship game instead of Ole Miss, you know, you different couple different bounces, a, a yard here or there, and they at least get a shot at it for the first time in program history. Uh, that one is a uh, is pretty surprising. Um, what about in the uh, in sort of the when we start to move into the seventies and the eighties, uh, which ones really stand out to y'all? Well, there's only the one team left in the 70s still. And that's kind of what stood out to me. Is like there's in the entire decade, only one team remains who hasn't won a conference since then. That was NC State in 1979. As far as the 80s, I wouldn't say like you look at those schools. Our options are North Carolina, 1980, Duke, 89, Arkansas, 89. I don't know that any of those really surprise me. Mm. Like Duke and North Carolina are you know, basketball schools. And I know North Carolina's had good seasons and they've had, you know, like Mac Brown's had some very good seasons. Butch Davis had some very good seasons, but they've never really been an ACC football contender. Arkansas, you know, it won the SWC in 1989. It has not won anything since joining the SEC. And it's kind of in the same situation. as like we're talking about with Ole Miss and other SEC programs. It's when you look around that conference over the years, there's been a lot of dominant teams. They've kind of taken turns and handed the baton to one another for four or five year spurts at a time. But Arkansas has never been that team. So when I look at those three, I'm not surprised by any of them. <laughs> this entire list here from the 80s is essentially take the check, take the losses. Right? Arkansas won a Southwest Conference. It joins a tougher conference in the SEC. It has not won an SEC title ever. Right. Missouri, kind of the same thing. Goes from or they were big eight, goes to the big twelve, which is tougher. Hasn't won since then. North Carolina and NC State are almost the reverse of this because you know they won in the 80s and they've had good teams since, but you did add FSU in when FSU was really cooking in 91 or 92. I'm trying to 91, 92, excuse me. 
obviously Danny, you know, would, my freshman year. That's why I remember yeah. <laughs> it was, was the first um, year in the conference. And for, you know, for quite a long time, like not only did FSU win the league every year, but they, like, they didn't lose any games right. in, in the league. So like that accounts for about a decade of that really. And then Clemson, you know, came on fairly strong. I'm a little surprised UNC and NC state did not win one from like Oh two to like 2010. Like that's a pretty nice late nine year window. Virginia Tech had good teams. Boston College had good teams. But there was a vacuum of power in, in the league during that time. And that was probably a nice little window for them to do so. And they just they didn't get that done. Coaching. Yeah. Um, the John Bunning era, is, you know, as there, I've got a John Bunning bobblehead back there. And the commemorative John Bunning bobblehead was made after an eight and five season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, eight, eight and five season, and we're printing shirts. Build and, a uh, statue. Yeah, build a statue. <laughs> they beat Auburn sixteen to ten in the Peach Bowl to turn seven and five into eight and five, and dang near through a parade. And to your point about NC State, you peak with the Philip Rivers year in like oh two, but then they didn't really sniff it again. Like they were good for you know an upset or you know maybe taking down Florida state or, you know, knocking off somebody good, but there wasn't really consistency. It wasn't until I believe the 2010 season with Russ, um, when they had a shot going up against Maryland late in the year to be able to, um, make it to the ACC championship game and the margins for North Carolina, they've made the ACC title game twice. That t- 2015, they had the onside kick against Clemson ended up losing that game by one touchdown um, they, they have been closer, I would argue, cause Duke got blasted by Florida state when it made the conference championship game. NC state has not made the ACC championship game since it was, um, first introduced in 2004 of these little ACC teams. North Carolina is the one that's gotten the closest. The amount of 10 win seasons that Arkansas had and not been able to do it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I keep going back to when I work with Houston Nutt and Studio. They always intro him as three-time SEC coach of the year. And I'm like, man, they, and it like kind of hits you. It's like they didn't get it. And Petrino had 10, 11 win seasons and you didn't get the SEC title. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. They're just not really a, a control-your-own-destiny type program. Like Arkansas can do every single thing right, can recruit its butt off, can coach like crazy, can player development awesome and get a favorable schedule. And they still just can't get the level of player to win it if they don't get outside help of, of the other teams in that division being down. Like they need LSU or Alabama to be a, a, to be a mess, right? Like ninety eight, Bama's coming off some some of their probation stuff. They get there. I mean, they're Clint Sterner fumble essentially, like using the ball to brace himself. If you guys haven't ever seen this play, if you, if you're one of our younger audience members, I mean, if you're a recruit. He's yeah. never been alive when this happened. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, like, I don't know. A lot of these programs in the 80s and 90s are sort of like, they're not control your own destiny type things. Like, there are certain programs where if you do everything right and you're humming, we're expecting you to win conference titles. So we've got a little bit of a, a jump from 89 to 93, and then things start to get a little bunched up in terms of the last conference title. Um, if we use that Arkansas 89 title and the Duke 89 title and take those teams and about the 10 to 12 other ones below them with these long droughts, who is going to win a conference championship next? And for those uh, listening at home, 
This would be Arkansas, Duke, North Carolina, NC State, South Carolina, Missouri, Kansas, Minnesota, Indiana, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, which last won the Southern Conference in 1923, and Iowa State, the longest conference title drought at the Power 5 level, has not won a conference title since 1912. Wasn't even fighting in World War One yet. Recruit age negative ninety two. Yeah, I need to make a. Pre, I have a pre World War Two category. Should I have a pre World War One category here? <laughs> pre pre <laughs> just pre, for pre, Iowa State. Pre, pre Great Depression. <laughs> pre electricity. No. Really. Yeah, when did well, Alexander Graham Bell hit the streets? <laughs> Who is it? Uh, I would lean. <laughs> I think NC State or Ole Miss. I, I would – well, you got to think about Oklahoma, Texas leaving the Big 12. That makes it a little bit of easy, oh, easier road. Yeah. But, but I still think one of the ACC schools might because we've had them close before. But doing away with the divisions isn't going to help. I, I'm going to agree with Danny here that it's it's one of the ACC schools. And the thing is, I, I don't think you can think short-term here. It's not like, hey, who's going to win one within the next two years? But if I think about things that can happen, there are less uh, big boys in the ACC you have to beat compared to the SEC. Like Arkansas's road is getting harder, not easier, with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas. And <laughs> that that's an awesome comment there on, on Iowa State. <laughs> uh, there's also some chance that the league looks different in a way that would be easier if those teams stay and some other teams leave in the long term. Uh, I think I agree with, with, with that. Like, I don't, I don't think Ole Miss's recruiting is getting better. You know, like they're not getting a better caliber of player relative to the league. They're, they're not a better program than Texas and Oklahoma. So I, South Carolina, the same thing. Uh, I'll, I'll go the ACC teams, I guess. NC state. NC state. Yeah. Just more the most consistent, I think, of those three. Like, I know North Carolina's had good years lately. Duke's coming off a really good year, but I just feel like year over year, NC State is the most solid of the group, and they've produced a bunch of NFL talent. And I just think they're the most capable of cycling up in a down year for others. And for all those reasons, is why it drives NC State fans crazy because it is the correct answer every time we have this conversation. Who among all these teams that has not won a conference championship has the resources, the recent success, the trends and the trajectory? It is the Wolfpack, and yet they have not gotten it done. And so apologies to our good friend James Carl, uh, but that is where the NC State blank really uh, really seems to rear its ugly head uh, time and time again. But that's I, I think that that is the correct answer. Coming up on the other side, some of your favorite programs – haven't won a conference title since the 1990s or the early 2000s. So when we start stacking them up against each other, who's going to win one next? Next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
It is Sweet 16 time. And this Thursday at 7.15 Eastern on CBS, we get things started in the NCAA Men's College Basketball Championship, beginning with Arkansas taking on UConn. That's a banger. Uh, followed by a huge showdown between UCLA and Gonzaga there in the West region out in Las Vegas. Then on Friday night, Miami faces top-seeded Houston, and Xavier meets Texas from Kansas City in the Midwest regional. Our coverage continues with two more games on Sunday at 2 Eastern with the winners punching their ticket to the Final Four. March Madness continues this week on CBS. Now, Chip, I noticed you said it's Xavier. Do any of you say ex-Xavier? Xavier. Xavier. I, I, I say it Xavier too, but I always hear people saying it X Xavier. People say the word Xavier X Xavier. I've heard it a thousand times. It drives me nuts. I I mean, am I am I wrong on that? I think No, I'm it's right. Xavier. It's Xavier. Okay, yeah. now there are some recruits who pronounce the X. I will say that. Like a oh, lot no, of guys. No. All right. So if you're talking about players, show me the X Z, which we do see. Mm-hmm. That is X Yes, that is true. Is it Xavier Hutchinson? Shout out to Iowa State making like three appearances here. <laughs> can't, can't, can't stop. Uh, won't stop. All right. Uh, we get into our next round of uh, conference tournament droughts. Here's what it looks like when we take a look at the 1990s. Nebraska has not won a conference title since 1999. That was in the Big 12. Texas A&M has not won a conference title since 1998. That was in the Big 12. Tennessee. <clears throat> when we say it feels like 98, well, that's because it's been since 1998. No recruits were alive when Tennessee last won a Southeastern Conference Championship. Was Jordan and- alive when Tennessee last won a Southeastern Conference Championship? <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? I don't know. Jordan, can we get yeah. thumbs up? I mean, I, I'm, I'm yeah. Jordan's direct report, so I'm pretty sure he was, he was born, but like, I don't think he was super old. Okay, um, Tennessee. I gotta pull up his personnel file here and find, find the birth date. UCLA. 19, <laughs> Jordan was four years old. Okay. UCLA won the Pac-10 title in 1998. Virginia in 1995. That was a co-championship, right, Danny? Yeah. 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 No. Um, Did you have anything to do with that? Stop it. <laughs> Virginia uh, Texas <laughs> 67 times in that game. <laughs> Texas Tech in 1994, Arizona in 1993. Uh, things that stand out to me just sort of off the cuff is that Nebraska and Texas A&M, the inability to get another one even before they left their conference really speaks to what Oklahoma was able to do in terms of rolling Big 12 title after Big 12 title after Big 12 title. Like that's not even a Texas thing. In Texas, we w- will be getting to you before we get out of here. That Also for the Pac-10, you know, you get your Arizona, your UCLA, in there. Uh, there was a big shift. Uh, Oregon State's coming up in a little bit. They were in 2000. We see a big shift in terms of the power out west that's going to happen right when we get to the turn of the century. Uh, what stands out here as a surprise and or a team that you think is close to snapping it? I mean, I, I think the biggest surprise for me is the most obvious one. It's Nebraska, not winning one since 1999. But you mentioned like Texas A&M won one in 98. Nebraska won one in 99. They're both in the Big 12. Do you know what happened in 1999? Bob Stoops got hired. Exactly. And then it was over. So just it's. But still, like Texas A&M joined the SEC in what, 2010? Nebraska joined the Big 10 in 2010. So 
it's not like it was a couple years after that they left and they joined these new conferences. They had over a decade of chances, but I still think Nebraska is more surprising simply because while AM did win it in 98, historically Nebraska was the more powerful program in that conference. And they'd been in the SWC before that. So I just, I think Nebraska is the kind of too obvious choice here because as good as Texas A&M has been, Spent a lot of time in the SEC, hard to win. Tennessee has been in the SEC the entire time, very hard to win that conference. And then you talk about like UCLA. It's always been a good but not great program, so it's not somebody you consider like a perennial Pac-12 power. So I I think it's got to be the Cornhuskers. I think Nebraska and Tennessee, the thing that sticks out to me with those two programs specifically is the inability to replace legendary coaches. Mm. You know, And then like you set that standard – so then you want it and you expect to re- maintain that standard and then you get impatient and then you start firing and you go through this cycle of coaches that you continually miss on and it makes the job that much harder on the next coach. You know, like I think that's been a massive issue for those two programs. I, I, I guess I'll take Texas A&M here. I mean, I, I feel like they've had some really good seasons since that last title. By the way, a name from the past. Do you guys remember Jamar Toombs? I've got a lot of names in my no, brain. Now. I can't I don't. say that's, this, that's. I don't know what they listed him at, like height and weight wise. But I remember, like, this is one of the cool things that college football used to be before all the games were on TV every single week, or maybe because I was like twelve years old. Uh, like you would see these guys for the first time, and he played in that that very famous Mississippi State Texas A&M like snow uh, snow game in Shreveport. This guy's got to be like a two hundred sixty pound running back, and that they were just having a ton of fun with him, just. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you got any AM fans in the chat. Just remind me oh, what they listed. Oh, the him big at. fat guy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They listed him at six foot one, two fifty five, and it was yes. given the. This was like Ron Dane. If you did the creative player thing, like bigger. Um, and, and that was that was pretty fine. I feel like AM because of the quality of player you can get in that state, and because they, like, they have had some guys who were successful. You know, Francione did a nice job there, right, for a little while, and, and like they. I feel like they've had dudes who were okay, and they just to not win since then. I guess is is somewhat surprising. I, UCLA as well to me uh, stands out a little bit because they have had some really good teams. They just couldn't get over the hump. And it's not like uh, it's not like USC was was great in the nineties. Um, obviously, USC in the two thousands, and then Oregon really started to come up there mm-hmm. in the late nineties. So that that very much explains why. Uh, why, why they haven't won it. Virginia, just not uh, really surprising to me. Yeah, like UCLA is a program that, and this is one of the things that makes the impending move to the Big Ten kind of interesting, is that UCLA, even under you know Jim Moore Jr., was playing four Pac-12 championships once they introduced the Pac-12 title game, wasn't able to get it done, but they were right there. I don't look at UCLA as a program that is chasing national championships. I don't think UCLA fans would even say that they're chasing national championships, but in the Pac-10, Pac-12, you could at least look at yourself in the mirror and be like, "Hey, you know, we can do this." And then you get to the Big 10 and, you know, this is going to be a, a big jump in competition and I'm not even sure if you can even look yourself in the mirror and be like, "All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and win the Big 10." It'll be a very um interesting change for UCLA. I want I want to start getting into just throwing throwing some matchups out here because this is going to get a little tasty. Nebraska or Texas A&M, who wins a conference championship next? Texas A&M, they're recruiting at a 
yeah. better level than Nebraska right now. I think it's Texas A&M as well. Um, okay. Mm, yeah, and and we think their their every year schedule is going to be Texas, probably not Alabama, maybe LSU. I, I think it's A and M because you do know that even the um, the nineteen even the nineteen ninety eight title snapped a little bit of a drought. Uh, no, there was nineteen ninety three. So RC Slocum won in ninety one, ninety two, and ninety three. Then they went a couple years without it, and the ninety one, ninety two, and ninety three were Southwest Conference. Only one Big Twelve title during Texas A and M's time. Nebraska. Is it, do you think it will come under the tenure of Jimbo Fisher and or Matt Rule? Like, do you think that the current sitting head coaches of both programs will be able to lead their teams to conference championships? I'll say yes, and I'll say it's Jimbo. I'm on the I'm on the Tex Tex A and M recruiting train too. Can they get Jamar yeah, Toomes in the backfield? <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, put that picture up there. Just look at yes. that. <laughs> YouTube.com slash cover three delivers for those who hang out with us, watch live or come back and rewatch it because uh, that's, that's, that is amazing stuff. They just don't now, make like they used to fellas. No uh, draft tracker. Now I know A&M listed him at 255 draft tracker, which is, a, which is an old ESPN page. Does not agree that he's six one two fifty five. They list him at six foot even two eighty one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that looks more uh, like it. Mm-hmm. That looks okay. kind of like my guy Pooh Bear. <laughs> let's sadly let's pass Pooh Bear Williams, Clarence Williams of Florida State. He was mm-hmm. a big fullback that was maybe three hundred. He was. We, we would yell Pooh Bear instead. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what about a quick follow from this era? So we said Nebraska, Texas A and M. It was pretty much Texas A and M across the board. Texas A and M, Tennessee. Who wins the conference championship next? Both last one in nineteen ninety eight. Texas A and M. I mean, I feel like Tennessee's in better position than Nebraska. So if I'm going to pick Texas A and M to beat Nebraska, there, I got to. Uh, I. T- I need Tennessee, to see Tennessee. No, I don't. I mean, once they get rid of the divisions, it's going to be so much harder of a path for Tennessee. They're going to dodge Georgia. They don't have to play Georgia every year. Like Tennessee's Tennessee's division is going to be Tennessee's schedule is getting easier. Yeah, but like Tennessee is one Georgia upset loss away from winning the division. You know what I mean? So it's now they've got to get through Alabama. Like if Georgia has a down year, awesome. Now you just got to get through Alabama and LSU too. You know what I mean? So it's. I, I need to see more than one good season from Tennessee before. I, I know Texas A&M hasn't broken through yet, but Texas A&M has had seasons like Tennessee just had in recent years where they've lost a couple games, but they got really close. They finished fifth in the COVID year. They were just outside the playoff, just like Tennessee. So I would go Aggies. I'm going to go Tennessee, and I really don't think that there is some big edge here on either side. Like I, I'd be surprised. I, I wouldn't put a lot of money on that. I, I really kind of doubt Tom would put a bunch on A&M winning before Tennessee. Life savings. Like, how many of us are even going to be working here by the time either of these teams win a conference (laughs) title next? Like, do we think this happens in the next four or five years? Because I, I don't. I I think that Tennessee is closer than Texas A and M, and I could see Tennessee winning a conference championship in the next five years. 
God, you guys are so scared of Jordan. I'm listen. Yeah. I, Texas A&M as bad as they were this year. They still beat LSU. They still <laughs> almost beat Alabama. Like, and it was a horrible year for them. I just think there's a lot of talent on that roster. I think it's yeah, a little closer. That Tennessee Yelp actually did beat Alabama, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm really stuck out of Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Jordan's birthday? What the hell are we doing? <laughs> Part of this too, just as like recruiting nerd. I, there's some chance that Nico is like just really that guy, and that that gives them a nice window in that offense to be in the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The defense, defense, defense stunk. It's hard to be elite with a crappy defense. Do we think Falls Fan ninety eight in the chat is Jordan? Like, is I Jordan, think it is. Like, is I he swear typing I one, one is. computer here and like like the other laptop yeah. over there? He or it isn't, but I think it is. Okay. Tennessee. Yale practice is weird. And Nebraska was in that one or no? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Nebraska was in that conversation or no? Do you, just against A and M. Just against A and M. Do you want to do Nebraska, Tennessee? Yes, Tennessee, Tennessee, Nebraska, Danny. I don't think it's that crazy, and I think it's probably easier in the Big Ten, isn't it? No, they're not adding Oklahoma and Texas. Nebraska has not found anything about the Big Ten to be easy. Well, True. like Nebraska doesn't get to play with Tennessee or A&M's talent level in the Big Ten, right? Like we can say that the Big Ten is easier, and I, I think it is, but that like they don't get to use those teams' talent that we were just talking about. They have to use Nebraska's talent, which is not very good. Yeah, we're talking about Nico being a potentially transcendent quarterback talent, and we're talking about Matt Rule and having to decide between Jeff Sims and Casey Thompson. <laughs> right. Just it, good players, sure, can you know give you a chance to get out there. Uh, all right. fan 98, I remind you that Illinois has won the Big Ten more recently than Tennessee has won a conference. Just I think you need that little humbling there. Um, we had another run here of uh, teams that won conference championships here in the first couple years of the 2000s, Illinois being one of them, and have not won since. Purdue in 2000, Oregon State 2000, Northwestern in 2000. Oh, shout out to shared titles. Uh, Illinois in 2001, Maryland in 2001, Colorado 2001, Washington State in 2002. Before we really get into Miami and start having some fun right there, um, from that group, who do you think wins one next? Illinois. This year. So this is, look at how many Big Ten teams. Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois, Maryland. That's four Big Ten teams. Well, Maryland was in the ACC at the time. But I, if we're yeah. talking about who's going to win one next, then we've got to project forward based on the landscape that they're in. Who are the Pac-12 teams again? Oregon State and Colorado. Man. Washington and State Wazoo. Colorado. I mean, it could be like once USC and UCLA leave, if Three Dion's years. got that thing humming. Three years? To Dion's- you could see them in three years be winning a Pac-12 without, you know, what do they have to go in to like- San Diego State and... <laughs> San Diego's beating San Diego State and SMU. Yeah. You know? I, I think it's got to be Texas or Florida just based on the way that they recruit typically. Oh, oh you want to? All right. So let's open it up to the rest of. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry. My bad. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that let's let's get into Texas versus Florida and my Texas versus Florida versus Miami. If we can just <laughs> bypass that one. None of none of these teams. Uh, so Texas has last won a. This is all before. 2010, Texas last won a conference title. The Texas Longhorns last won a conference title in 2009. 
Wait, did Jordan just do this no. on purpose or accidentally tweet from every twenty four? I accidentally did that. Now. I didn't know it was going to tweet from every single one. <laughs> I don't think it. Wait, did it tweet? Oh, or it did commented it from every oh, single comment. Facebook okay. page. I just thought it was going to do it from the cover three because yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning these producer rules that we handed me last week while you and Chip were on vacation when it was just Danny and I fighting <laughs> the battle. That was a tremendous vacation. Mailbag. Chip was on a trip to Connecticut for spring break <laughs> hang it yeah no uh -huh. yeah me the westchester county airport is exactly <laughs> where for spring break come on all right texas in 2009 florida in 2008 the miami hurricanes have not won a conference title since 2003 and that was the big east miami has not won an acc championship since joining the league in 2004 texas florida miami who wins one next? This is like a, like a tough choice between two teams for me. You know, like for me, it's not Florida. Like I, I don't think they're anywhere close. Um, yeah. I think it's Texas. Can they win the Big Twelve this year? I was say, yes. Texas can win the Big Twelve this year. Then, if you believe that, then it's an easy answer. Then it's just Texas. Yeah, because if you're wrong there, that, that, that's, that's like, the deeper end of the pool you're jumping into if, if you miss this year. I was going to say, let's add that qualifier. If Texas doesn't win this year and it goes <laughs> to the SEC, Texas, Florida, or Miami, then it becomes Miami, right? Just yes. because, it's yes. the because of the way Miami's recruiting. Yeah. yeah. And the fact I, that I, I think they'll give Cristobal, like, I think they'll be patient with Cristobal. And I don't like, like, Napier's not a native son of Gainesville. So, if they don't get things, if they don't get things right, then I don't think it, like he's going to be around like twenty twenty six. Like the the idea being that if Cristobal with a longer leash is like we're not going to keep resetting the clock, you know, the, right. similar to the, the Nebraska Tennessee point that Danny was making. Like one of the reasons why we have this incredible drought for Nebraska and Tennessee has been bad hires or quickly moving on before coaches have even had a chance to be able to establish any kind of consistency. And the league that Miami is in is obviously much easier than, than the league Texas is going to. Yeah, also speaking of the ACC, Georgia Tech is in here in 2009, Wake Forest in 2006. Boston College made the ACC title game twice, but never won it. But they did win the Big East there last year there in 2004. Yeah, I think I'm, I think it, I think it's Miami. I don't know, man. I, I might need to go Tech. Texas could win the SEC. Definitely. Arch Manning? I think it'll Recruiting? take him. Well, here's the thing. I don't, I don't think Texas will be ready to win the SEC while Arch Manning is still there. I, th I, mean, I think the one constant we have seen when teams move to new conferences, there is an adjustment period for the most part. Like, the only time I think it hasn't happened... No, it did happen. Because even when TCU joined the Big 12 and came from the Mountain West, there was like two or three years there where they were just kind of bleh before they finally had a decent season. I think that's just kind of a constant. But Mizzou and yeah, Mizzou is the exception. Relatively early, and you know, made some significant waves. Mizzou played for it twice, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, but the, the East was just—that was like a perfect storm. Like the SEC that Texas is going to be joining is not the SEC East at that time. Yeah, that little three-year SEC like, East period. But you could also see Florida. I mean, we're talking about Florida. They could see a new coach. Saban could be gone. When I mean, 
three years. Yeah, but you've still got Georgia going. You've still got Tennessee coming up. It's just it's and Oklahoma's coming with you. So it's there's so many teams you got to get through. But the Texas other thing will, is you might you might be able to because that's going to be the new landscape. You might win or ch- a chance to play for the title at nine and three. You know these teams are going to beat eat, beat up each other. Oh, like in a, you could be playing for a conference championship. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And still, and then you could be playing for a national championship because we're going to see. I think we're going to see more carnage with the the stronger the conference gets. This is what you dorks wanted. I mean, Texas first Florida SEC era only. So not this year in the Big Twelve, but Texas as an SEC member, Florida as an SEC member. Who wins it first? Texas. I'd say Texas too. Florida's yeah, got the, ro- the roster quality, start. how they're recruiting quarterback, especially. There's so NIL much NIL issues, especially if uh, if Florida gets gets the uh, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma annual draw. That that is probably like a quarter loss harder per year than the average. Right? Does the winner of the Florida Oklahoma game get a bottle of Bob Stoops tequila? I hope so. <laughs> that was kind of an underrated good Orange Bowl national title game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the I didn't say it was, was that underrated eight? tequila? Because it was a it was a that the are you, winning. Are you a sipping tequila guy? I'll do both. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If it's good en- right. Yeah, if it's good enough tequila, well, say it's, tequila it's been a long squeeze a lime, one hundred percent. It's like been a long time, time since I was a shots tequila guy. I've I've been I've been a sipping everything <laughs> guy for a while. <laughs> I, I really don't like. I don't know. I, I don't really sip tequila. Um, bourbon, scotch, obviously, rum. Like, if it's really good rum, you know. Um, do you guys so you sip vodka? Like, you're not like vodka connoisseurs, are you? Or are you like like you like you? I mean, obviously in a martini, but I mean, I. No, yeah. Yeah. Never been a good vodka guy. Although, like the best vodkas don't like taste like anything. Vodka neat, right? Like, like you, yeah. it has to be chilled. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Fresh off vacation with some drink takes, Bub Elliott. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, my my wife uh, popped positive, so I had to take the three year old and the one year old on the trip by myself. So that Whoa. was great. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, "Hey, he can't eat. In the, he can't eat in the car seat because he just turned one. Because it, it, it's like a big choking risk." I'm like, "This is so dumb." <laughs> uh, so I, I of course follow directions and we end up spending like 45 minutes in a Wendy's because like of course one-year-olds and three-year-olds eat like super slow I'm like <laughs> bro I want to get back on the road this is like why can't we just do the drive through and go and <laughs> on the way back I'm like bro you, you're just you're just drinking bottles like yeah. I, I had two two ready-made water and shook it up it back there let's well yeah i was just saying, like just throw nuggets back there just yeah that's what i'm saying i'm like really she's like she's like you know he t- like the, he takes too big of a bite and it's like a choking risk yeah i'm not gonna out myself for poor parenting for fear of child protective services showing up but yeah now look i will say that's the first time i ever thought about that so uh <laughs> Had to change my behavior uh, for past. <laughs> um, all right, with a little bit of time we have left, I want to just sort of introduce uh, one one last thought exercise that was uh, that was kind of fun. It was a, an example of teams that have actually won a conference championship recently. But the question is, when are they going to win their next one? Um, and I'm going to use the, the same three bud that you used in the text: LSU, USC, or Penn State. 
LSU last won a conference title in 2019, one of the greatest seasons that we've seen from a quarterback and an offense and a team um, in the modern era. Penn State won in 2016, won the Big Ten in 2016, did not make the college football playoff. USC won the Pac-12 in 2017, also did not make the college football playoff. LSU, USC, Penn State, who wins a conference championship next? USC USC this year. next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. I don't know, man. I I think there's a lot of good teams in the Pac-12 this year, right? I, it's probably USC. To be different, I will say I'll say Penn State. Like just maybe their super sophomores really click this year. Ohio State having to replace Stroud and, and a bunch of important guys. Maybe Michigan doesn't play to that level again. I'll I'll be contrarian here and, and take Penn State. I really think that any of these answers could be correct, right? I mean, LSU appears to be it could really, be LSU this year. Yeah, <laughs> LSU. I'm like I'm gonna do this on my preseason stuff. Like LSU looks loaded, and Bama has a lot of questions. Will Florida State win the ACC before Penn State wins the Big Ten? Yes. 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 Because I think Florida State could win the ACC this year. Yeah, a lot of teams here. Um, you know, Florida State could win the ACC this year. Penn State could win the Big Ten this year. USC will likely be the betting favorite, I would assume, to win the Pac-12. Uh, LSU, little dark horse. Oregon last won a conference title in 2019. They are going to be among the Pac-12 conference title favorites. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, good stuff. Make oh, sure. Oh, oh, what? Well, I got one question. I'm sorry to interrupt, but just off the cuff. Of the teams that won conferences last year, who's the most likely to win again this year? Clemson, Michigan, Washington, Georgia. Oh, Okay, not including Georgia. Which of last year's conference champions are the most likely to win this year? Clemson, Michigan, Washington, Utah, and Kansas State. Michigan. Ooh. Most likely? Mm -hmm. Clemson. I think Washington, I think Michigan and Washington have too many other contenders. Wait, uh, Washington didn't win. I think it's an autofill error. Oh. Uh, Utah. Yeah, Utah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Wow. Wow. Wow, it's my it's fault. Sheet. It's an error I should have recognized. <laughs> it was like, wait, Washington and Utah both won at the same time. Um, I don't think it will be. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be Clemson, uh, mo- most likely. You've got too many other contenders. I think Clemson just has a Florida State problem. Like I, you, you look at Utah, and you have a Washington problem. You have an Oregon problem. You have a USC problem. Um, you know, you look at Michigan, you've got an Ohio State problem, you've got a Penn State problem. I think Clemson's just got to deal with Florida State. I think, yeah, I, I think that's correct. I agree. I lean Clemson, I think, but I do think the obvious answers are Clemson and Michigan. But I think Clemson is more likely. Utah does, does seem to run that league, by the way. Like, and they, <laughs> yeah, they do and, and they never get guys. talked about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when does um, summer school, we, are we doing summer school? Yeah, we're doing summer school. When, when are we going to get it sponsored? Ad team. <laughs> if, you guys, if you guys are listening, which I doubt, let, let's let's get let's get this thing sponsored. I've only emailed about it three times now. Come on, it, it's a pretty cool series. People in the chat are asking about summer school content in March, right? And if, if you, you out there, if you would like to sponsor it, it's Bud Elliott CFB at gmail.com. Again, that is Bud Elliott CFB at gmail.com. 
uh, we, can, we can take it take it right to the bosses. And we will be back Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Finelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.